0: awfully serious. Good morning. morning. This is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to Virgin's Congregational Church. We are an open and affirming congregation of the United Church of Christ. And my name is Elliot Munn, and I'm the pastor here. And I'm so glad that you're here today. We've got a very special service uh, today. The choir is back. Let's give a big round of applause for the choir. And today is Everett Robinson's baptism. Hey, Everett. We're so glad that you're with us and your presence is such a blessing and a reminder that whoever you are, wherever you are on life's journey, you're welcome here in this place. Please rise in body or spirit for a call to worship. Here, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have money, come, buy, and eat. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven, and do not return until they water the earth, making the land sprout and flourish, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall God's living word be through all the land. The mountains and hills shall burst into song. The trees of the field shall clap their hands. So shall creation celebrate a child of God entering the waters of baptism. An everlasting sacrament that will never break. Please join me in prayer. Eternal God, the very waters that you once spread over the void in the beginning now flow to meet us where we are, drawing us back to you. The joy of new life in Jesus Christ rains down and washes us afresh. The drought is over. Alleluia. We are your people. And you are our God, now and forever. Amen.
1: first reading this morning is 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 6 through 19, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 965. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world, so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time, he is who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in inapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, Command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They who they are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Uh, The second reading is Luke 16, uh, verse 19 through 31, in your pew Bible, page 851. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table, Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from here to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, For I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises
0: from the dead. Please join me in the spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What a joy it was to celebrate Everett's baptism. Maggie and Ellie, this will be a day that you always remember. You have family in town. Lots of pictures, I'm sure, have already been taken. And surely there's also been some special food to mark this special occasion. Now that Everett's baptized, you may breathe a deep sigh of relief. He didn't cry that much, right? Your family will be headed home soon. And surely there's lots of good food, leftover food, in the refrigerator. So the hard part is over. Or is it? I mean, do you realize what you two have gotten yourselves into? Drawing on 2,000 years of tradition, we use language like sacrament, sealing with the Holy Spirit, church membership, death and resurrection to describe what just happened to Everett. These are important terms, but I think they obscure just how radical that moment, which just happened with the water, really was. Today is more than a rite of passage for Everett. Today is the day his life truly begins. Baptism is an initiation into an entirely new way of being that Everett will walk for eternity. He's forever connected to Christ and we made a covenant, a promise to remind him of that, all of us did, with our words and our actions. Maggie and Ellie as parents, Sonia as godparent, all of us as the church, beware. Raising a child to roll with Jesus can be bumpy. He will make friends with people who make us uncomfortable. He will say things to challenge us. He will do things that are not career savvy. We will succeed in our promises at some point. If at some point Everett becomes a mystery to us, And when one of you comes into my office and says, what was he thinking? I will say, remember his baptism? When you gave him over to Jesus, he was bound to start acting like him eventually. In the Gospels, Jesus is always baffling the people around him, especially the ones who know the religious tradition well. In today's passage, he tells them a story about wealth that gets them all mixed up. There's a rich man who lives the high life. According to the text, he throws fancy dinner parties, wears purple cloth, the expensive stuff, and fine linen, which apparently refers to extra soft uh, Egyptian underwear, if you were wondering. To top it off, he has a gate around his house, so he only interacts with the people he chooses. It's a pretty charmed life. And then there's Lazarus, the destitute man who lives outside of his gate, starving and sick, with only dogs to offer him small comforts. At this point in the story, Jesus' audience of Pharisees likely expects him to praise the rich man's virtues. Surely he is smarter, harder working, and more creative than his contemporaries. That is obviously why God has chosen to bless him with such treasure. On the other hand, Lazarus must have had too much student debt, drink like a fish, And never exercise. He clearly doesn't deserve God's blessing. Just as we sometimes find ways explicitly or implicitly or explicitly to praise the rich and criticize the poor, the Pharisees did the same. And they weren't just jerks either. They were working from a particular scriptural tradition that associates material benefits with God's blessing. Just a few weeks ago, we heard it from Psalm 1. It reads, "'Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. They are like trees planted by streams of water, In all they do, they prosper. Meanwhile, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away.' In short, God gives people what they deserve in accordance with their behavior. Yet instead of heaping praises upon the rich man as a captain of industry or monarchical grace, Jesus offers a reversal of circumstances that cuts the rich man down to size. he in fact skips ahead to their death, Lazarus is said to be carried away by angels, and the rich man is given a proper burial. In the afterlife, Lazarus feasts with Abraham, and the rich man suffers. Even then, he can't see Lazarus as more than a personal servant. He asks Abraham to send him to do his bidding, and Abraham tells the rich man, that the chasm between them is far too great because of what he has done. When he asks Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his family, he refuses. He claims if someone rises from the dead, it won't do any good. Do I think here Jesus is talking about what happens when we die and the efficacy of the cross and resurrection? Probably not. I'm more confident that he's drawing his distinction with the Pharisees' interpretation of the law. In contrast to their view, he emphasizes a tradition within the Hebrew Bible that is much more skeptical of wealth. He reflects the tradition of Isaiah that we got a taste of in our call to worship this morning, in which God blesses the poor with good things, just like God rescued the suffering slaves in Egypt and led them to the promised land. God, in this tradition, offers hope to the downtrodden and caution to the affluent. It is important to note here that Jesus is not merely being rebellious or contrarian. He challenges the Pharisees because he believes it is his call to do so. Today's message harkens back to his very first sermon in chapter 4 when he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, he said. And here he lives out this ancient teaching with breathtaking storytelling of his own. We don't spend much time talking about how Jesus learned the scriptures like this, about his own personal formation. Although Luke gives us more details than the other gospels about Jesus' childhood, it, it isn't much. We are left to imagine the people who taught him to read the scriptures, to sing the psalms, to center himself in prayer. A real fleshed community, took time to teach him the multiple traditions within his tradition. And he used that wisdom to enrich his own call as the Christ. As we reflect upon Everett's baptism, I hope we take seriously the promises we made him. It is our sacred duty to pass on the traditions of our faith, to help him grow into his call. We need to do everything we possibly can to let Christ's claim on his life be alive and vibrant. It means spending time with him. It means worshiping with him. It means learning with him in Sunday school, youth group, or an intergenerational service trip. It means prayerfully listening when he has something to teach us about our tradition, and about ourselves. I am excited for everything that this promise has in store. As today's scripture reminds us, a life with Christ is demanding and unpredictable. But it's also hopeful. God has more in store for us than the typical earthly talent sheet. What is wrong will eventually be made right. Everett, we are committed to walking with you until you know these truths in your heart. And we can hardly wait for the day that you can teach us about them anew. Amen. Let's continue in prayer. Spirit of life, in the beginning you hovered over creation, still you are present in the world. You are present in the arrival of fall with its cooling breath and its warmer colors. You are present at dawn before the fog has lifted and at dusk among the deer searching for food. You are present wherever your people gather, for justice and peace, and in the rejoicing of bringing the lost back into the fold. Listening to the concerns of children who are bold enough to lift up their voices, heal the earth that groans in pain, for rivers smeared with waste and ground stripped and ravaged. Do not let us wait too long Do not let us know disaster. Teach us, who take the Earth's bounty for granted, what it means to be good stewards. Gather in your scattered children in the comfort of your love, the people whose lives have been torn up by storms and weather patterns that chip away at the quality of life, causing homelessness, famine, disease, soothe and bring an end to their relentless loss. Protect all who cannot rest in safety, who must keep on high alert to signs of danger because their countries are riven by war or because their homes are torn by violence or because they have no shelter but the street. Help us move with compassion towards those who are in need. Comfort our neighbors who are troubled in mind, body, or spirit, for mothers who face hard illness, for brothers haunted by anxious thoughts, for children who do not know whom they can trust, for people with chronic illness, in the silence of this room we lift the names and faces and bring them into the light of your love. Search them out, O oh God. Care for them. God, of holy love, of power and truth, help us neither to bow to fear nor to be silenced by chaos. Instead, move us resolutely forward until we share the mercy we have discovered in your name. And God, we thank you for each sign of your sern, for the baptism of A young child, for the songs of children, for the lingering sunlight, for the knitting of shattered bones. You are present in each reminder of life's grace. Patient and persistent God, let that grace and mercy overflow into our lives, that we might honor your name in the world. For we pray in the name of Jesus who came to seek and save what was lost, and taught us to pray simply. Our creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God, and along that journey may the blessings of our three-person God be with you always. Amen.